I manage out here. And on this episode of Reclaiming the Garden, we have a guest that we have been just like beyond excited about. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, in it, you know, um, they talk to us about their faith background, um, also a little bit about musicals, because of course, with us, we got to talk about musicals, um, whenever someone mentions it. And, um, just a lot of cool, like, theological stuff and wonder and how to create a, uh, delicious spirituality. Absolutely. Um, this, uh, for people that have been listeners, um, of the podcast for a very long time, uh, you would know that we have wanted them on our show for a while. And it was always like the pipe dream goal. Uh, so here it is actually happening. Um, so enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. Alrighty. So Kevin Garcia is a digital pastor, a mystical theologian and practitioner and intuitive soul coach based in Atlanta, Georgia. After coming out in the fall of 2015 as a queer Christian, Kevin has reached thousands of individuals across the globe with messages of God's unending love for all people, regardless of who they are, what they profess or what they actually believe. Kevin's the author of Bad Theology Kills, Undoing Toxic Beliefs and Reclaiming Your Spiritual Authority, published January 2020. Fantastic book, by the way. Uh, Kevin's work also appears in several anthologies by queer people of faith. Um, through their work as a digital pastor and public theologian, Kevin has used their writing, podcast, and YouTube channel to help foster communities of authentic spiritual seeking, pulling apart the bad theology, and beginning to reconstruct sustainable spiritual practices. Uh, Kevin holds a Master of Arts in Practical Theology from Columbia Theological Seminary and a Bachelor of Music in Choral Music Education from Christopher Newport University. And they are also the creator of Queerly Beloved Apparel and Big Queer Adventure Company. So, Kevin welcome welcome to the show thank you we are so excited to have you to be here um, yeah. when we when we first created this podcast definitely when we were thinking about like highest aspirations we were like kevin garcia gonna happen at some point and now it's like finally happening and that's really fucking cool. easy easy peasy and the best part is like i'm if it was this easy to get me you gotta like shoot higher <laughs> Well, I so I met Jennifer Knapp like a few weeks ago, and she's probably going to be on the pod at some point. So yes, yeah. Jennifer is literally she's so tight, just a wonderful human. You're going to love talking to her. Oh yeah, we're very excited. It's just um, like yeah, yeah. But um, well, uh, we start off sort of. I mean, this isn't quite a question, but what we start off by saying to each of our guests is, "Tell us about your faith background." Mm -hmm. Nice and lighthearted. Yeah, just a really simple question. A little simple request. <laughs> Of course. Uh, yeah. Like many humans who come, who are like in our neck of the woods, I come from evangelicalism. I grew up in Southern Evangelical Church, non-denom spaces. Also, this is Tippy, and sometimes when I'm recording, she'll want to crawl in my lap because she's a baby. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up, you know, the son of a worship leader. My mom was a worship leader and my uncle was the pastor. I was always very pious and, um, you know, got baptized at age nine, wanted to give my life to the Lord. And fast forward, I think I realized I have uh, feelings and attractions towards boys in high school. And so that was like scary. Mm -hmm. And um, I went in, I was put into ex-gay therapy shortly mm -hmm. after that because that's what you did. In, yeah. you know, 2005, yeah. when you had no resources or any idea that this was totally fine. I mean, like, I know it sounds like it's 2005. What are you talking about? I'm just like, but for those of you who, you know, it's there's still places in the world where people have no idea it's possible to be queer and a mm -hmm. person of faith. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, uh, I didn't in like the 2010s, you know, like right yeah. during the 2010s, I did not know. So. Yeah, I, my, I, I kind of just like held on to a very, very rigid faith for like both bare knuckling or like white knuckling it the whole time. Because mm -hmm. it was like, eventually, if I hold on and I do the right thing, God is going to bless me and I'm eventually going to get rewarded for my blessing. Yeah. And my reward mm -hmm. is going to be mm -hmm. being straight and finding a wife. And that person is going to be the, the proof of God's love for me. So when I went off to be a missionary and I thought this is like the most holy thing someone could do, surely this merits a miracle or at least like a small miracle because like if Jesus can raise himself from the dead, switching someone's sexuality really can't be all that hard, right? 
Mm-hmm. Apparently it is. Apparently it is that hard. Um, it's like Jesus, like, yeah, I was like, yeah, you can totally come back from the dead, but switching your sexuality, that's impossible, <laughs> yeah, <no>. you guys. <laughs> um, so once I kind of realized that the, this is, wasn't going away and also that maybe it wasn't so bad, um, I was working for the missions organization that I went with and uh, it was like, I thought like, you know, of course I'm such a fucking idealist. And so I'm in that space and I'm like really dedicated to the cause. I'm really dedicated to helping make this space a more inclusive one. And as we fight for justice, because we're doing good all over the world. And in reality, that wasn't the case at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But I slowly, and by slowly, I mean, within a month I was, they're like, all right, well, you're not going to continue with the program. And uh, the job that was lined up for you, we gave it to that person. Oh. And um, best of luck. Like, no, like, I was broke as a joke. I had wasted so much time post-college and had nothing on my resume. And so I moved to Atlanta with no money and no job. And I lived in a shit basement apartment for, like, the first year as I got back on my feet and rebuilt my life. And um, it was during that time, I think, that I actually discovered what it was to be a person of faith. Because now it was like, it was all this time. I had all the support. I had all these people. I had all the stuff. And then what I realized in that is that was just conditional alignment, wasn't it? It's like, I have all the right things, right people, right place. And I'm a good, I'm right. And then I get removed from that place and all of a sudden I'm out of whack. And it's like, oh, they teach us to be codependent on them, don't they? Hmm, interesting. Yeah. They teach us to have our entire life uh, circled around this one thing yeah. so much that you can't – that you, you're so sucked into it that you ignore your own suffering. Yeah, you it's ignore. like taking the lean not on your own understanding as like a challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Yes. We need to tell people just like don't take that as a challenge. No. It's just like it's like when you feel like that verse is meant to be like when you feel completely overwhelmed, can you still breathe a little bit? Can you still trust in your inner knowing that anyways, let me not exegete another passage. Um <laughs> Yeah, so um I began exploring what my faith was going to be now that I was no longer stuck in the church and no longer stuck in um, evangelical world, no longer stuck by a, a, the binary of a male God or even being male myself. I could express my gender in more ways than I could possibly count now. And now, uh, I guess on the far side of like pulling apart my faith, um, I kind of like mark my life by, uh, I came out seven years ago mm-hmm. and that was kind of, when everything started and everything fell apart and everything grew, it was really wonderful. And everything kind of happened rather quickly for me. Like I feel like it's always been like a, I'm an all or nothing at all kind of person. So once I pulled everything apart, I started finding my yoga practice. I got a regular job managing a restaurant um, and then decided to go back to seminary. And it was in seminary that I realized I do not want to be a part of a traditional church or be a pastor in the traditional sense. I do not care about the longevity of the church or even, I don't really even care about I, the- I remember like, I've, I've been subscribed to a YouTube channel for a while and I remember you like posting a video about like, you were in the car just having a lot of questions about your seminary experience, so. Mm-hmm. I remember shooting that video too. I'm just like, oh, this is bad. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I realized that the Academy of seminaries in general, just like they exist most of the time, especially for people going to get MDivs, they exist to keep the machine going, yeah. you know, and it's like, or the system going and I'm over here. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't care. Yeah. You know, I like, I think if you feel like the local church is your best way of loving your community and the world, I think you should keep going. But it was one of those things where I think within the last six months I watched within the last six months I watched Lord of the Rings like the director's cut all the way through and there's that scene at the very end when Frodo looks at Sam and says we saved the Shire but not for me and that is really what it feels like I feel like for some people the church has been saved but it has not been saved for me Um, 
it was like a, a bomb. It was a safe place to land when I needed it to, even like the progressive churches. But now where I am is like, I, I'm just so much more expectant of finding God in the real world, if you will. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm much more interested in having experiences of God that don't need to be um, curated as much or uh i'm looking for i mean like my practice now i I would say like this is the thing that keeps me in alignment with who i believe i am keeps me Mm -hmm. alignment with with love Mm -hmm. um and when i'm there i'm able to do all the work and all the things and discuss all the things i want to um and when i'm out of whack that's my responsibility to get back to it get back to myself um so now my my faith it's like someone asked me like do you like someone asked me recently like do you still believe in god i'm like what do you mean? What do you mean by God? If you meet, but if by God you mean a personality outside of you or me that is somehow influencing the universe to continue the way that it's going and perhaps intervenes on humanity's behalf or not, I don't believe in that God. I don't believe that there is a person, like, there is a. Now, granted, it's like I'm still a theist, but I think of God in the way that like um, probably a more Buddhist mindset or a Hindu mindset or an Eastern mindset would think about like God is reality itself. God mm-hmm. is everything manifest and everything unmanifest. God is, you know, God is the feeling of joy I get when I eat something delicious or when I look at my dog. Um, God is the sunrises. And this, the awe mm-hmm. that I feel every time I see one, even though I've seen a bazillion sunrises, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I've watched a thousand sunsets, still beautiful every time. Every time I hear that one song from that one musical and it just gets me in my feels. <laughs> experience itself, like the richness of the experience of life. That is, that's experiencing God. And to feel God. Like, what are feel- your favorite like musicals? <laughs> I was just oh. about to ask. We're both, we, we both record, like, this June we recorded an episode called Musicals that, like, spark our theological imagination, so we're very yes. much musical yeah. over here. Former drama I major, love... so. I, I'm i kind of old school, in the, like, I love older musicals, uh, A Chorus Line, I mean, it had a revival all through, like, the early aughts, but yeah. A Chorus Line is, like, one of my favorites because it's these people, like, talking very frankly about their lives, um, and there's a song called At the Ballet and that one where it's a trio yes. of, of women singing and talking about how there was this fantasy or like this world, the world of the ballet was their escape. And I just related to that so much as a young person being in theater and letting that world just open me up to so many more possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's in my range. Like I'm singing it down the octave, obviously, but just like, I think, I'm a baritone bass. I have the range for it. And I love yes. I love leaning into that deepness. Um, yeah. So now, like, that's my faith background. It's Christian. What is it now? Uh, a mix of Christian. Oh, God. What is it now? Um, a mix of Christianity, yoga. You do tarot. Tarot is the big part of things, right? Yeah, I mean, like, tarot, I think tarot is a tool within my toolbox. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, it's like, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a tool of reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would put that yeah. in, like, my mindfulness practices. I, like, file it under yeah. that. Cool. Um, it's one of those things where tarot, like, I do it, like, most every day. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say, like, my most common spiritual practice that I keep for myself is meditation and yoga. Um because, like, it's one of those things, in some ways, I think it's, I, I said to someone, tarot cards are a training wheel for trusting your intuition. It's like, when oh, I can't get yeah. to the bottom of something, let me use these tools to to kind of, like, dig around, to unearth, you know, get some of the anxiety off the top and get to the gold. Um, and these cards allow us to ask questions, to pierce, like, through our own all the too many words that we, you know how, at least for me, I talk too much. I have too many words. I have too many questions. And so when I let, when I'm pulling cards for something, they're very clear. 
Yeah, this, this, it kind this. of narrows it down in a way where it's like, okay, I can think about this one specific thing and figure out what this mm-hmm. means for my life. Yes. Rather than like sticking, like trying to just tackle it all at once. Tarot is one thing at a time. And I think that if we can do the same thing with our thoughts, ooh, we're in business. We're in good business. Absolutely. I'm curious to know, um, because I know that you have adopted other aspects of spirituality and whatnot. um, Mm -hmm. As a former evangelical, was there ever a point, did you ever have the feeling of like, wait, like, what am I doing? I'm not supposed to be, uh, 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 but then it's like, you eventually kind of get over yourself, yeah. get over yourself or get over the, whatever you are taught about, like certain mm-hmm. beliefs. Cause I know for myself hearing like, oh, I practice aspects of witchcraft or I do tarot and like, I do tarot, but it's even, I still get that. Like, oh, how dare, wait a minute. You don't believe this anymore. <laughs> like that is uh, the, I, I was telling him, it's like, it's crazy to be afraid of hell and not believe in it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like when I fear... Rapture I have anxiety. Friends. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it's like, I don't... Yes. I know literally that, like, I know the historical context of the Book of Revelation, like, the back of my fucking hand, and yet, like, you know, like, especially at, like, near the start of the pandemic, I was like, oh, God, all these things are happening. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's so real. <laughs> it's so... It's like, I think the rapture is, like, the most annoying piece of trauma that, like, was passed on to us. Because yeah. there are still moments where, like, if I walk into a place and I'm early and no one's there, and I'm, mm-hmm. like, rapture. They're gone. And just for, like, a split second. <laughs> yeah. Just a split second. And it was just a there was one time when I was idea little... created 200 years ago. I just... I always yeah. have to say that when we're talking about this. Um... Well, um, do you know like like the, the, the full context of how we got rapture theology and the idea of the rapture? Um, I know about John Darby, yeah. Um, yeah, and you were John Darby heard it. Where John Darby heard it at a Pentecostal meeting in Ireland, where a woman had a vision of people being oh. caught up in the clouds and all this stuff, and he took this woman's Pentecostal vision of ecstasy where she's probably having a sincere spiritual experience between her Mm -hmm. and God, where she saw all this delicious stuff. And he said, it's happening. It's gonna happen. And here's how we know. And then like, he made the revelation, the book of revelation into a book about today and not about the Roman empire 2000 years ago. Yeah. So lols. Um, Anyways, uh, the guilt aspect, uh, the guilt that follows us around after evangelicalism Mm-hmm. is so annoying. And I say annoying yes. because like, that's kind of how I put it now. Cause like at first it's like, it's like people are just like outright angry with themselves that they can't let go. They're mm-hmm. so mad at themselves that they still feel the shame or the twinge of guilt or like the little bit of fear. And I, when I, how I started moving through that is I looked at all of the feelings I was having and I'm like, well, of course I would feel that. I've had a practice thought about other faiths for my entire life. And that thought is, uh, they're all sinners. They're all going to hell. They're all in rebellion to God. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when I get on the outside of that, now I'm in rebellion to God. <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who's causing the trouble. Um, and at first, it feels scary. And then I just start laughing at myself. It's just like, Oh my gosh! Yeah, you, you, I would think that, and then I just smile at myself. Um, I think it was like I had less guilt about it. I think because I had done so much work around getting free of shame around my sexuality and my gender. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I'm like, oh, there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. And if that's true, then that means nothing can separate me from the love of God. Right? It's Amen. Like, yeah. Let's take Romans, wait, Romans 8. Seriously, y'all. Like, I just, I'm a biblical Christian over here trying to take the words of God seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I'm like, I don't think many people believe that. I think I'm, I might. I think I do. Um, anyways, uh after that, I was like, okay, so I was told being gay is the devil. Maybe all the places Christians said was the devil was the places where I might just find God. And I turned turned out to be right. It's a really, really good thing. It's just like all the places where you think is the most dark and evil are just like, I'm like, 
Anytime someone says something is dark or evil, I'm just like, you've never been there. And like the place that Jesus, you know, went to in his time where like the people who were like sick and or had, you know, all these all these issues and problems, you know, he dealt with people. Yeah, the people people who were unclean and not welcome in in polite society. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, I kind of started looking into those things. And I just kind of like I reasoned with myself. I'm just like, okay, so this is the feeling of the Holy Spirit led me out of the of my of where I was you know this feeling of goodness this feeling of peace I want to do whatever it takes to start feeling that peace more often and I was like yoga and meditation try it out and then I did I started like just five minutes a day and then 15 minutes a day of yoga and then meditation became a regular thing and it all I mean look over the past five years now like it's really just become delicious for me mm-hmm. um even as like my christian faith evolved like and like my, my my just my faith in general or the ways that i talk about god i guess it's always interesting to say my faith is evolving i'm just like <clears throat> i don't have faith in anything though it's like it's mm-hmm. like i have experience and i have trust now mm-hmm. It's like, I don't need to believe in anything. It's like, I've got the evidence to back it up. So I don't need to like put my faith blindly in something. It's like, no, this, this shit works for me. I've been doing it for five years now. Yeah. And also like what I think is really lovely is that the techniques that I use are the same techniques that have been used for thousands of years by ancient people. Like, it's wonderful. I'm just like, oh, I don't have to reinvent anything. Like is... The practice is the thing, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that about a lot of Christian practices, you know, the the liturgy and church and communion and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not necessarily about the belief. Mm -hmm. Say more for you. So are you like someone who still follows a lot of liturgical stuff? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I attend First UMC in Seattle. um, And um, yeah, I mean, I just find it to be really beautiful to just be able to like say words along with, the rest of the congregation. Um, I'm also a part of the mm-hmm. choir, so I love like singing. Um, mm. And um, communion is just like, oh God, how do I even describe it? Um, well, I can share a story. So the day after I came out on Facebook uh, in 2019, I went uh, to an Episcopal church with a friend. Um, and that day there were some people who were being baptized um, in the congregation. And I found out that day, you know, that when people are baptized in the Episcopal church, that, and I think this might be same for Methodist church as well. Um, people renew their baptismal vows, like the whole congregation does. And although I have, of course, never ever taken baptismal vows because that's not an evangelical thing. Um, you know, it was cool to just say those words and then to like say the apostles creed. And, you know, I was thinking at that moment, I was like, even though I have a lot of questions about a lot of these, these words that I'm saying, like the words are, enough and like the mm-hmm. communion is enough so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and i think like that is actually a really beautiful that's so beautiful because i think that what we need to recognize and like when we come i think like we have to come to a place of safety within ourselves and a place of holistic love for ourselves but I would say before we actually start engaging in like religious practices again, because mm-hmm. a lot of times we try to re-engage too soon or like, I think that I should be better. I think that yeah. I should be over this by now. I think that God wants me to be in church or I think I have to be in mm-hmm. church because, and you know, so too many people will subject themselves to something that is subpar, something that is not in uh, helpful or healthy for the sake of being a part of a quote, like I want to be a part of community. I'm like, at what cost? Yeah. Cause the thing is just like a community costs too much. And thankfully, you know, you know co- like the, the sort of communities have like opened up a lot online, especially since like a lot of more churches started streaming their services, you know? And so it's like, you don't just have to necessarily feel forced to find whatever's near you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I also think that, the if one wants to get the most out of a community i think one actually should keep their their personal practice paramount no sorry about the illiter- the evangelical alliteration <laughs> keep your personal practice paramount um 
but I really, I really do see that as like so oh necessary. And I don't mean like spiritual practice, like you need to like read your Bible every day or you need to like, you know, say say your creeds or do it's whatever it's gonna take for you to feel peace again. Um because a lot of times like you know, community is is a is the supplement. And I want that for us. I want more people to experience that. And yeah. in the meantime, you ain't got to go nowhere. You ain't got to talk to nobody. You ain't got to join no workshops. You ain't got to. If you sit and just breathe for five minutes, mm-hmm. it can start changing your life. It can, And that's the thing is like a lot of people are thinking they're still looking for salvation outside of themselves. Still looking mm-hmm. for something else to fix them. When in reality, I'm just like, you want like you, you want that feeling of God again? You can find it. There are mm-hmm. paths. There are spiritual technologies. And it might be that in addition to that, you find a delicious community that says, you know, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, of things seen and unthings, and the Son, Jesus Christ, begotten, not made. And we just, you know, <laughs> it might be that. I mean, like, I just got back from theology beer camp and I, I met like, yeah, I hung out I, with, like, oh my God, I saw the video of um, the like karaoke to Jesus Freak. I saw you were like in the background during that. Huh? That must have been so wild yeah. to be there live. Wow. It was very fun. Um, Trip asked me to host the karaoke, like me and my friend Sarah. And then it just got out of hand and people were way more excited. So I got overwhelmed and went outside. <laughs> but I was there for that. I was there for that moment. Um, but that's the thing is like, there was so many, like, that environment was delicious for me because nobody was required to believe anything. No one was required to do anything they didn't want to do. It, I don't know. I'm just like, when I think about the future of our faith or like the church communities, <sighs> pardon me, in the day, um, <clears throat> I, I, that kind of gave me some hope. Mm-hmm. And I am a cynical asshole. And I'm like, you know, if churches could become more like this, I would be interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, and again, it's that notion of like, there is, first of all, no one belief system or lack thereof owns morality. Mm-hmm. And similarly, no one belief system or lack thereof owns community. Like it is perfectly holy and acceptable to find community outside of a quote unquote faith-based setting. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that I wish I had known at a much younger age, but it's nice to kind of, again, be but I mean, surrounded we're, by people we're not who even, do believe that. You weren't even encouraged to have any curiosity about like other Christian denominations, let alone like yeah. anything outside of Christianity, you know? So yeah. Oh yeah. Evangelicalism is the would... only way. <laughs> and the thing is like, they would never say that, but they would obviously like paint, like make it so that if you weren't a part of it, and now that you've made your entire friendship circle and your entire mm-hmm. life out of this one place, it's just like, I mean, you could go other places. And they kind of just like, you know, oh, we don't want, you know, we want you to go wherever God calls you. And they're not, they don't really mean that. Praise the like, real Jesus always... that I went to a very progressive women's college instead of Liberty University. <laughs> um, we're oh, like, yeah. 80% of my 80% of my high school youth group went to Liberty. Of course, not all of them came <sighs> out of that being conservative, you know, one of them is definitely very much not, but. <laughs> I mean, I almost went to Azusa Pacific, but then I couldn't afford to go. So I went to community college instead. <laughs> Which I I'm not in community college. Go to community college. It is so much cheaper. You'll save so much money. Continue. Yeah. In fact, if you don't have to go to college, maybe don't. I'm yeah, not too. saying honestly. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like it's same thing with like graduate school, continuing education in general. I mean, I'm glad I went to seminary. The only reason I went is because they gave me money. Like mm-hmm. if it wasn't 95% paid for, I wouldn't have gone. So if you are looking at graduate schools, look for the places that will give you money. They're out there and they exist. Um, Not just in needs-based stuff. There are people out there will just give you, like I was, I received uh, like a a work study thing and they paid for so much of my school. Anyways, um, 
yeah, but I also have like eighty thousand dollars left over from my undergrad still, so it's like, meh. We're still uh, working on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, um. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even know where we're at now. <laughs> we were talking. Um. Oh, I guess we were talking about like once you choose to leave that community, it's like, well, yeah, you. There's the sense of like mm-hmm. shunning and like the fear of like losing that sort of foundation yeah. that you had built. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, you are. That's a. Everyone's so. Pardon me. Everyone is so scared of that part and i think what it comes down to is like we have a real fear of suffering we're not good at it as a culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um we don't make space for bad feelings we don't make space for sadness we don't make space for grief and yet those are the things that we need to feel and experience in order for us to get free yeah and we th- we see them as so scary and like we're just like well if i get like there's this weird lie the ego tells us that if you fall into sadness, you're never going to get out of it. It's going to swallow mm. you whole. Yeah. And that's going to be your whole world. And I just want to say I would invite anyone who feels that way to question that thought. Mm-hmm. Not saying that you have to give it up. Not saying that. But just question it. What's that thought doing for you? Because I'm the evangelical church taught me that outside of the church is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And for a while, that's what I found. And until I asked the question, could there be more? Mm -hmm. Come back to me, Anna. (laughs) When one can overcome that fear of suffering and by overcome, I mean, I mean, I will say like, there's a way to overcome the fear of suffering. It's by being here. (laughs) Because most of the suffering that we're experiencing is actually not, it's only happening in our minds. You know, how many times did you get kicked out of church? One time. How many times you got kicked out of church in your head? A thousand billion times in your head. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. How I mean, many times? Often it's our, our bodies telling us wisdom, you know, and like we should listen to that and figure, like, you know, examine it and not just mm-hmm. like get yeah. caught up in like the sort of, Oh no, why am I feeling like this? I don't know. It's like rather when when a feeling comes up, you're like, huh, I'm feeling so I mean, I love noticing all my feelings. Like mm-hmm. especially when I notice that I'm happy and it just increases its joy. I'll also notice when I'm depressed or sad or when I'm like not in the center of myself yeah. or when something triggers the shit out of me. And it's just to know, oh, that thing knocked me off my center. Or oh, some like you know i'm in this random restaurant and i'm hearing like christian music over the air like you know mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's just like this is unsafe this is unsafe like no this is like a wendy's it's fine <laughs> you're okay yeah absolutely. um but it um i think this is also this is also the work that we do in therapy and with our own practices of being able to regulate to regulate the body and by regulating the breath we regulate the mind and when we regulate the mind, we see all the things clearly. Mm-hmm. And depending on how much trauma you got, how much shit you went through, it might take that much time or longer to get over it. And yeah. there are ways of shortening that time. Mm. And I would say those ways involve practice, certain therapeutic things that one can do. Um, but the, like, you don't need a miracle. To, to, to find love again. Mm-hmm. You don't need some kind of, uh, you don't need it to reconcile anything. You don't need to get the right theology. You don't even need to find the right practice. You just need to be willing. Yeah. And like, it's like, what do I do? I'm just like, great question. What do you think? What do you know that feels good in your life? What do you know that's gonna bring you into that state of alignment and peace? Because when you're there, Everything else is clear, including the people that you want to spend time with, including the people that you actually want to build community with. And what I've noticed is that I've, as I have built my practice and as I have like helped, I need to help myself, as I have let myself be helped by my practice and other people, I find that I only want to be around people who are like on the same level. And by that, I mean people who respect me, love me, want me to do well, want to give the most to my practice. Like want to, they want to see me win. 
And I, that's a, that's a huge thing that I think not a lot of us, like we, we haven't found the people who want us to win. And, um, which was also, this was a huge departure from the, the, the fear of suffering. All that to say, suffering doesn't last forever, ever, period. Suffering can't last forever because these bodies are finite. So at some point it will be over, but it, the, like a lot of the time there is suffering in this world in the way of like how, depending on your ability level, depending on the color of your skin, sexuality, gender, yeah. et cetera, your body is going to be the site of people trying to throw violence your way. That is definitely suffering. That is shit that we got to deal with. The other part of it is mostly mental. I don't mm -hmm. think I'm good enough. I don't love myself. I'm a piece of shit. Is that true? Because <laughs> like that, that's what they told you, right? The people who kicked you out. Do you believe them? Well, no. I'm like, okay, then. And then I literally just like, okay, yeah. I don't believe them. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, so what? Do you, now that you don't believe them, what do you want to do? Uh, want to go make some food because I haven't made, made food today. Great. It's, it's mm -hmm. uh, the fear of suffering, I think, is the thing that keeps us from starting to explore anything new mm -hmm. because we're also thinking that. I'm going to be disappointed by this, just like I was disappointed by that. Um, you know, when I was first like deconstructing the idea of like penal substitutionary atonement theory, I definitely had this sort of fear of like, well, if I deconstruct this, then like Jesus doesn't even like mean anything. But it turns out, of course, that no, Jesus is like still, mm -hmm. yeah. There's like different mm -hmm. ways of understanding Jesus on the cross and everything. Yeah. But at first, it definitely felt like I was like just hitting this wall. So. Mm -hmm. what is what does jesus mean for you now like what, what kind of role does or if any does jesus play for you um i mean i think when i think about like the cross and resurrection in particular uh well we did we did a whole podcast episode about this but yeah. um like short version i mean it gives me hope that you know <laughs> that Jesus or you know people say that like Jesus is I think this is like paraphrasing Rachel Hudd Evans quote or like something that she quoted from someone else but um you know it's not just that like Jesus is like God but God is like Jesus you know that sort of thing that like this being that created the universe decided to like take on human skin and live among us and like actually get up close and personal with our suffering and our shit and mm -hmm. Like, and then, sorry, this is like hard to articulate, but, um, no, it's totally cool because this is also, we're also talking about a really big thing. Yeah. Cause um, like, well, I can, I'm going to like, just go ahead and look up our episode description because I think I actually particularly made that one really fucking long because I was like, I want to fully articulate this shit. So, um, <laughs> let me see. Find it. Cause I, I think like that's another thing so many people like they don't want to lose Jesus mm -hmm. on the other side of like their deconstruction or mm -hmm. like as their faith evolves, it's just like, well, like, because I think you come up close and personal with meaninglessness. It's like, yeah. if I lose this and if Jesus is not who I thought Jesus was, then my meaning mm -hmm. in life is quite literally no longer there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I found the, Part of the description that I wanted to read. Ultimately, Jesus' death on the cross was not a divine necessity, but a result of the earthly powers that conspired to kill him, the majority of which mm -hmm. came from the Roman state and the religious establishment that had aligned itself with the state. We hold space for the turbulent emotions of Jesus and his disciples, and we remember them not wanting to skip from Palm Sunday to Easter. But we hold hope that this isn't the end of the story. We believe that the goodness, love, and life of Jesus was more powerful than the empire, and in this way he conquered death and beat the powers of evil. No payment, no transaction, no wrath. Mm. very good mm -hmm. ding ding and, ding you know i think also that like sort of jesus's resurrected body and like sort of his vision of life and beloved community calls us to a new way of being human so that's like sort yeah. of the mm -hmm. resurrection part of it too yeah absolutely yeah and i, think I would agree like, yeah 
I think it's okay to also like sit in the unknown as well. Like, cause for myself, it's like, right. like, I don't, I it's definitely. The scariest thing that I don't think I'll ever fully understand also. Yes. Yeah. Like, that. like for me, like <laughs> I don't believe in substitutionary atonement the way I used to. I don't, but I'd also, I'm like, I don't know. Hmm. And it's like that realization of like, I don't know. I don't have the answers. It's not going to affect me from living my life the way that I currently do. And it's like, cool. Let's keep like learning. And if something proves me wrong, it proves me wrong. And that's totally fine. And I, it's nice to be able to like say that because be feeling like, oh, I don't know. Like uncertainty is such a sin in evangelicalism. And I think and it's honestly in American culture, and in American culture. Absolutely. I think they go hand in hand and it's like having that, yes. having uncertainty or being able to say with confidence, I don't know like it's mm-hmm. it's almost demonized in a way i would even go as far as to say it just like i could be wrong yeah like, that's my favorite like is like i could be wrong and if i am wrong i'm willing to change that's yeah. the thing is like if i like and i approach every conversation like that including the conversations with people who say it's wrong to be queer i'm like here's the deal like if god almighty or literally like any sort of powerful being appeared and just spoke in a booming voice being gay is wrong repent like it's likely that i would get my shit together i don't know (laughs) but the thing is that hasn't happened yet and i don't think it will and until that time comes like i just reference what they were the, the the church was doing the early church was doing in acts which was like when they were trying to make decisions about stuff there's a verse that says it seemed good to us and the holy spirit it seemed good yeah it seemed good yeah and also what worked 2000 years ago isn't necessarily going to work right. today can we dig in on that real quick <laughs> yes please <laughs> i am really really passionate about this because it is too often that we think first of all why are so many people taking marriage advice from a 2000 year old book from people who did not arrange marriages or have marriages, like anything like that, like it was nothing like today, first of all. Second of all, uh, we want to rely so heavily and have the orthodoxy and the right ideas about God, which is really like, it's all a, a ginormous academic exercise rather than an embodied experience. And that is what I think is lacking for most people. Mm-hmm. We also think that we have to only follow one teacher, the same teacher from 2000 years ago. We think that like with it, like there was some fancy dispensation in Jesus that was in no other human in all of human history. But the reality is that the teachers came way before Jesus and teachers are still coming after him. Mm-hmm. God's love did not stop with Jesus. God's incarnation did not stop with Jesus. It also did not begin with Jesus. Because also like then what the hell would have been the point um, beyond the 33 years of Jesus, 33 give or take a little bit years of Jesus's life and all the time. That's also, it's also incredibly cruel to say that like this local, this pretty local you know, celebrity who was just in this region who then later got, you know, out into the world. But at the time, you know, he was in, he was popular with his people in his region. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it'd be a little shitty of God to like limit the people. Anyways, that's another thing for another time. But all that to say is that, do you think that you need to do like a whole bunch of rituals and a whole bunch of penance and a whole bunch of doing the right things in order to experience God? I think the answer is no. And I would say that for myself, like I think that we have to stop trying to make sense of a book from 2000 years ago. That's been misinterpreted, like the, the reinterpretation of the misinterpretation mm-hmm. of the thoughts about this that yeah. became part of scripture, but weren't actually a part of original scripture. And yeah, it's the way I see it. It's gone Jesus. through tel- it's gone through telephone. Like yeah. it's like someone was for something, and now yeah, we don't know I, what oh happened. God, when I when I came out, I got like a text from my spiritual mentor that was like, "You know, I stand on the full word of God, April," and I just wanted to like fucking scream, like you're talking about a translation of like you know, and all this 
Like, you can't just, just like, say word of God. What like, about the Apocrypha? Do you stand on that too? <laughs> like, what about, I mean, and that's the thing is like, it, I, I look at people like that now and I have a lot of pity for them. And I'm just like, you really think that you are not allowed to love me. Hmm. Well, I do love you. I'm just like, I know that you do, but you're limiting yourself and your expression of it because mm-hmm. you think mm. that somehow this is far from God. And I just want to say, I'm just like, if you want to, ex- I'm like, here's the, I'm not going to spend time convincing you. If that's what's going to make you happiest, I want you to keep that thought. Mm-hmm. Separate yourself from me. Never talk to me again. If that is what it's going to make you happiest, because I love you no matter what. I have mm-hmm. unconditional love for you. And that throws people off. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because that's that is the that is a true statement that I that I keep. Same thing with my family. I don't care if they change their minds. I want mm-hmm. them to. I will limit my interaction when I'm not feeling like I can be my full self there. Yeah. And also, I don't need them to change in order for me to be happy. I don't need anybody to change in order for me to be happy. I need to change in order for me to be happy. I need to do the things I need to do. I need it's like you should fucking read the Bible. It's like, that's the best advice I ever heard for myself. You should read the Bible, Kevin. <laughs> like you, you should go listen to some podcasts about some, by other queer people. I'm just like, let me turn that back on myself. I should. You know, given their life, what they have walked through, where they are, no, they shouldn't. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They're stuck in an illusion. And I, all I can do is just be a light to hopefully wake them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's the hope, at least. Yeah. Because for me, at the end of the day, like, I'm having a ton of fun. I'm having a ton of fun being myself. I'm having a ton of fun exploring new spiritual practices. And I think that's also the other part missing from our movement. We forgot Absolutely. how to have fun. And we forgot Absolutely. our imagination. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I feel like you definitely bring that. I remember your breakout session at QCF this year. You had like the the music on at first. It was yeah, it was fun. Because mm-hmm. um, we need that. That's the mm-hmm. thing is like being silly and goofy, allowing ourselves to be childlike, allowing mm-hmm. ourselves to have indulge wonder. a little bit. Yeah. Oof, to have wonder. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's it. That's the whole thing. That sense of peace, that sense of wonder, that is what we've been searching for the whole time. And we can have it right now. Yeah. We just got to recognize it. I'm just like, what are we going to do? What are you going to do to get back there? The, the, the wide is the path that leads to destruction and narrow is the path that leads to life. It's not narrow because you are walking it alone. It's narrow because it's the fastest route to it. Mm. it's a straight line and Mm. when i do what i know i need to do i'm on the narrow path if you will you know and also the narrow path has been marked out by thousands of pilgrims before me thousands of teachers before me yeah i don't have to guess at this stuff anymore Mm. 100 and i think that's also another thing it's just like we like most christian practices within the west have failed people to develop them spiritually yeah. And thus America is what it is. Yep. Right. Yeah. But that's probably another podcast for another time. And I know that we're coming up on time and I don't want to keep you all longer than you need to. Yeah. Well, um, we'd love to hear about the sort of work you're doing right now and how folks can support you. Yeah. Um, right now I'm working on my second book, um, which is going to be published January, 2024 with Broadleaf books. It's called Wonder Fully Made, Wonder, comma, Fully Made. And the subtitle that I'm working on is um, either going to be a creative path to spiritual recovery or crafting your spiritual practice when your life falls apart. Hmm. I like both. I love that. Yeah. Uh, um, Other thing I'm working on. So that's that's coming out next year. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go. Subscribe to my newsletter at my website, thekevingarcia.com. I keep saying I'm going to make more YouTube content, and I haven't done it yet, but I have a strong intention of doing that. But um, 
If you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram most of the time. I'm at the Kevin Garcia. If you're interested in um, coaching stuff, uh, working one-on-one, the book, Bad Theology Kills, which was my first book, Mm -hmm. all that's available at thekevingarcia.com. And you can also DM me. And I would would like to share more with you. So that's it. Nice. Well, thanks so much for being here with us. Yeah, thank you so much. and you can follow Tippy Dog. She doesn't have <gasps> social media. Oh, wait, is she really? <laughs> no, she's not. I can't oh. give my dog an Instagram. That's like, A, I, I work too much on the internet anyways. If I gave my dog an Instagram, she wouldn't contribute. Right. All she does <laughs> is like walk around and dig holes and poop and be a dog. All she does yeah. is cuddle and be a baby. Oh, she wouldn't contribute. She doesn't know angles. <laughs> she can't even type a caption out. She ain't got thumbs. I'd be doing all the work. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a fun conversation. Yeah. And I just, I also really enjoyed that they were also asking us questions too. I feel like that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily always happen. But yeah, so that was cool aspect of the interview dynamic absolutely um Um, yeah they were a fantastic guest and i can't wait to continue to keep supporting them um especially with them having a new book second book coming out published because i know the first was self-published yes that's really cool which again real talk if you haven't read bad theology kills uh Mm -hmm. do it yesterday um because it's fantastic um, so let's get into high of the week. I mean, honestly, my high of the week was that conversation. <laughs> like, I don't think I mean, that's a pretty that. damn good high of the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you? Oh, goodness me. I don't even, I have just been like, in terms of health wise, I have just been up and down the last couple right, of weeks. So I'm always right. just a little bit sick all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, even today I have out, al- my allergies kind of punched me in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess last weekend I went with my partner, um, out to see these massive dinosaurs out in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anyone who's ever seen the movie Pee Wee's Big Adventure, um, it's those dinosaurs and it was a lot of fun. We, uh, half- cosplayed as characters from Jurassic Park um and it was just a it was just a grand old time and I'm glad to be with someone who is willing to go on the silliest and dumbest adventures um and I say that in the most endearing way possible nice nice um well so we will see y'all um after this in a couple weeks uh where we will have our collaboration with assemblies of pop podcast Mm -hmm. talking about christian music which is a topic we have wanted to cover for a while absolutely Um, yeah really excited about it um i guess on to the plug Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Reclaiming the Garden. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Reclaiming the Garden or on Twitter at RT Garden Podcast. Be sure to check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, and you can always check out our merch store to get t-shirts, mugs, and other fun merchandise. If you are able to, please be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does boost us in the algorithm, but we are grateful that you are here and listening, so if that's all you can do, We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you soon.